are in the middle of a series, uh, actually uh, the beginning of a series of First John on Wednesday nights. On Sunday, we're going through First Corinthians. So if you'll give me the pleasure of living life with you over the next few weeks, we will go through two books of the Bible in parallel together, and I promise you that your faith will get bigger and stronger. Now, why is that so important? Because Jesus only, everybody say only, one, two, three. Only. Say it real loud, one, two, three. Only. Jesus only does miracles, only does miracles where there is faith, only. In fact, he walked into one town wanting to do miracles. Nobody had faith. He had to leave. Okay, so it's very important that we have faith. But here's the problem. You can't just go out to Safeway. Is there any Safeways anymore? Walgreens and and buy faith. You can't say, I'm going to have more faith. You can't do that. Uh, Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the Word of God. So in parallel, on Wednesdays and on Sundays, I'm going to just share the Word of God with you. It's going to lift up your faith, and you should expect miracles to take place in your life. Miracles to take place in your life. Isn't that exciting? Uh, It's exciting, man. It's just exciting. Uh, All right, so let's unpack this. First John chapter 2. First of all, let me tell you about John. uh, First John. Um, John is, was one of the 12 disciples and he was the only disciple out of the 12 that was not killed for his faith. The only one, which is so funny to me because a lot of times us Christians, we get upset that things aren't going smooth in our life and we back up and we go, I'm a child of God. What's going on? Things should be going smooth. Well, who said so? (laughs) I mean, 11 of the 12 disciples were killed over this. Who said this was supposed to go smooth? Nobody said this was supposed to be easy. Nobody said that. that There's no crying in baseball. That's not in in the Bible, I don't think. But a theologian named Tom Hanks once said that. Um... There's no crying in baseball. No one said this was going to be easy. In fact, Paul said this, don't, don't complain as if something weird was happening to you. What, what I think is weird is when nothing bad is happening to you. I, that's what I find weird. How many people here, you, you have a prayer request right now. Go ahead, raise your hand. You have a prayer request. So everybody with your, go ahead, look, we're going to counsel each other for a second. Put your hand up and look around. Put your hand up and look around. Look at all these people have a prayer request. So there's something in your life that you would like God to change because you don't like that peace. My hand is up. So that means 90% of us have something in our life that isn't exactly smooth. That's normal. Paul says, don't act like something weird is happening to you. Now, the seven people that didn't raise their hand, I, th- I want to know what, how, how, what's going on with you. That's weird. That's awesome. You two right here, I want you guys to write a book. I'm going to read it. You guys didn't raise your hand. I want to read the book. I want to know what you're doing. But it's, it's normal. We are in a fight. I want to say this. Living for Jesus Christ is not a picnic. It's warfare. 
Somebody tweet that. It's not a picnic. It's warfare. We are serving a God who loves you. And whether you realize it or not, you're fighting an enemy who hates you. We take weekends off. Or you guys take weekends off. I work on weekends and holidays. But we take weekends off. Satan does not take a weekend off. He doesn't take a morning off. He doesn't take an afternoon off. He doesn't take, uh, he doesn't take anything off. He eats, sleeps, and drinks hatred. He hates you. The Bible says in John 10.10, 10, he's come to kill. And if he can't kill you, then he's going to steal from you. And if he can't kill you or steal from you, then he's going to destroy you. And we got a, an enemy. So that's why it is so important to get this book. And what's cool is, is it's not like a textbook. You know, you ever get your textbook before a semester starts, or you remember this, and you look at the textbook, and you're like, oh my gosh, are you serious? The cool thing about this is that this book is living and active, and what that means is that the more you hear of it, the more you want to hear of it, because it's living. The less you hear of it, the less you want to hear of it. But once it gets in you, the Bible says that his law is not on stones anymore, like it was with the Ten Commandments. Now it's living, and now it's in your heart. That's why sometimes you'll say something or you'll do something and you'll, you'll feel bad. Well, how did that happen? Because it's in you. I'm, I'm getting warmed up here. Somebody just say, well, come on, slide out now. sin and so he wants us to have joy and stay away from sin so he's going to explain to us what it is now we know right you know i remember when i got married there was a few things that were annoying to Allie that i didn't know was annoying to her it's like okay i'll close my mouth when i eat like i know now <laughs> now i know some people like that my argument anyway. Um, but the, the contents of this is that he begins to, uh, and I've told you the author, the purpose, and all the contents, he begins to unpack this in such a way that he gives us various tests to give to ourselves to determine whether or not we are really committed as a child of God. Have you ever had somebody tell you that they are a Christian and you're like, really? Huh. So he's got these tests inside of this small book that you can just kind of ask yourself these questions, uh, kind of like this checklist. And, and, and if you find yourself saying, yeah, this is how I live, then you are indeed a child of God. If you call yourself a child of God, but this isn't how you live, it's like, okay, you know, let's, let's have an honest conversation here. You go to church, but you're not a child of God. You might be fooling your mama, you're not fooling God. When the horn blows, you're standing before God. What's secret is going to be 
not separate Christians and non-Christians. Just preach to everybody. He actually says it like this. Don't separate the wheat from the tares or the sheep from the goats. Don't do that. Don't try to separate people. The reason why the Bible tells me as a pastor, don't try to separate people. In other words, you can't come back to church because you're not a Christian. The Bible will say, don't do that. The truth of the matter is, it's because I don't know. <laughs> Some people that look like a sheep are really a goat. Right? Thank you, sir. <laughs> going to try to identify you because we can't tell, but I just want you to know God can tell. He can see it. Now, I was in an intern meeting one time when I was in Bible school. I was an intern at the same time in parallel, and one of the guys asked um, our professor, how do you know um, if, if you've sinned too much? <laughs> And uh, how do you know if, um, if, if you kind of cross the line? Because actually the Bible says that he will turn you over to your wicked ways. In other words, he pulls you, he pulls you, he pulls you, he pulls you, and then all of a sudden he just says, okay, you know what, here's the thing. And, and I'll never, ever forget the answer. The person said back to us, he said, um, uh, actually it was a she, she goes, um, when you no longer care whether or not what you're doing is good or bad, you're in trouble. That resonated with me. You're in trouble. So she didn't put us in hell. <laughs> she didn't put us in heaven. She just said, you're in trouble when you no longer care. It's like, now you're in trouble. So this is what he's doing. This is the content. He gives us various tests. Okay, so I just told you about the author, told you about the purpose, told you about the content. Now let's begin to unpack this thing, okay? We're going to talk about four sections of scriptures. Um, one, two, three, four. The first one is on obedience. The second one is about loving people. The other one is about loving pleasures. And the third, fourth one is about fellowship with Jesus Christ. Everybody ready? Everybody ready? Look at the person next to you and say, you're ready? Say, thank you for brushing your teeth. Thank you. Thank you for brushing your teeth. Here we go. And we can be sure, this is verse 3, chapter 2 of 1 John. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commands. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar. And it is not and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. If you're taking notes, would you write this down? Our lives testify what we really believe. What we really believe. So uh, let me just...
make a, a, a just kind of a, a statement here. Um, if you believe that there's a God, just tap, pat yourself on the back and go, yippee ki Because Satan believes there's a God. Saying that, Jesus, you are my Lord, which means I'm going to serve you, and you're my Savior, we can tell if you are by the direction that you're going in. It's very important that you hear what I have to say that I'm saying that. The direction. I'm not saying perfection because we're not saved by works. But the direction testifies of how we feel. It's the direction. The direction. And people know which direction Christ followers are supposed to go. Have you ever, ever had someone uh, in front not know that you're a Christian and then they curse or they do something and then they go, oh, I'm sorry. Have you ever had somebody say that to you? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Because they know in their head, they know in their heart, that's the direction those people are going. Not perfection, direction. Not perfection, direction. Why am I emphasizing that? Because you and I both, if we're aware of our actions, we will be asking God for forgiveness every day of our life. I did it today. Before I left the house today, this thought came to my mind, and I said, oh God, would you please forgive me for that? I stood on the front row right before I came up to speak tonight, and I thought came to my mind. I said, God, I'm sorry that I did that. Would you please forgive me? We will constantly be asking God, the blood of Jesus, for forgiveness. Perfection is not the issue. Direction is the issue. That's how we prove it. Let me say this in Luke chapter 12, verse 3. Do you guys have that uh, on the screens? Oh, good. Um, would you read it to yourself? Uh, let's, actually, let's all read it out loud together. You guys ready? You guys ready? Here we go. What you have said. In the dark. <laughs> all right. Let's read it together on three. One, two, three. What you have said. So, this is God saying, hey, this secret side of you that the people at church don't know about, this secret side of you, man, I just feel like I need to say this. Um, I don't know who this is for. The secret relationship that you have on Facebook that nobody else knows you have. I just want to let you know that God sees it. And at the proper time, that's going public. It's going public. He sees it all. There's, it's going public. Um, secret lives will be made public. That's what that scripture is saying. Let's read this together. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. Let's read this one out loud. And I want you to say the first word a little bit louder than the rest of the words. Okay, you ready? One, two, three. Nothing. Let's do that again. One, two, three. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from us. Everything is covered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give 
Okay, so this is this this part actually excites me. The first the first verse we just read is kind of like, oh my goodness. But let's hear this all the way. Those of you in this room, that deep down inside your heart, you love God and you wish you were more righteous than what you are. You love Him. You wish you were more righteous. It's buried down in here. And all the sinful things you do, there's a part of you, you hate it. You wish you were stronger in the faith. I want to let you know, God sees that desire. He sees it. Like sometimes we think everything's laying uncovered. All my sins are before him. That's true. But all of your desires are before him too. He sees how much you love him. And I want, I want to encourage you with this next verse. It's in Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be filled. So he sees that you're hungry for him. He sees that you wish you were closer. He sees that you are not happy with the proximity of him in your life, you wish it was closed, you wish it was tighter. He sees it and he says, because you're hungry for it, you're going to be filled. So, yes, we do need to hold ourselves to a standard to say, I can't have some secret sins in my life and pretend like, you know, this is going to be okay. Because, no, it's not okay. But at the same breath, I want you to know that he sees all of your hopes, your dreams, your desires, your righteous hopes. He sees that and he's going to fuel that. <sighs> right on your notes, Galatians chapter 3, verse 3. Galatians 3, verse 3. This is one of the best scriptures in the world. Because Paul talks like um, uh, an Italian. He goes like this. Are you so foolish? That's how, he, that's how he starts off the sentence. Are you a fool? He says this, to start off in the spirit and to end up working in the flesh. And what he's saying is, is that you came to God, you closed your eyes, and by faith and with the spirit, you were saved. Now, why in the world would you be so foolish to think that the completion of God's plan in your life is going to be done through fleshly works. It was started in the Spirit. It was started with faith. God's the one that allowed His Spirit to be poured down on you. That was a miracle. So if it was a miracle for you to be saved, it's also going to be the same power of God that's going to push you forward in life and to continue the transformation of your mind and your actions. And Paul says this, are you a fool? You started off in your faith and now you're trying to do this all on your own with your flesh. So what am I saying here? I'm saying this, for every secret part of us that we know is not reaching the standards that God has, 
Let's not back up and say, I've got to work harder. I've got to do better. I'm going to, I'm going to slap myself every time I do something wrong. I used to have a friend to walk around with a rubber band and, and they're going to pop themselves on the, on the hand every time they, they make a mistake. And I'm like, hey man, don't do that. You're going to knock your hand off. You're going to do that a billion times. You can't do that. This the, the Bible is saying this, every secret part, for every part of your life that you don't like, flesh cannot fix flesh. The Spirit is the only thing that can transform us by renewing the way we think. And so, that's Paul saying, come before God. These secret things, God sees them. But he also sees your passion. So that's the first thing that he talks about. He talks about obedience. Now he starts talking about the importance of loving people. So it reads like this. Dear friends, I am not writing you, verse 7, dear friends, I am not writing you a new commandment for you. This isn't new. Rather, it is an old one you have had from the very beginning. This commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before. So now watch this. What he's saying is, is that our anthem as Christ followers should be love. When people talk about us behind our back, they should say things like, he's so nice, she's so kind. They're so forgiving. They're full of love. This is, this is what he's saying. He goes, this is how we should be. And so uh, I've got a neighbor here. And uh, there he is right over here. How you doing, Brian? Go ahead and wave at me. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, and, and Tyler's here too. And um, uh, if, if you go ask him, hey, what's Frankie and Allie like? Now we're going to hear the truth. So don't ask. <laughs> don't ask about how fast I drive on our street. Don't ask. It's not your business. <laughs> don't ask. But the truth of the matter is, is that him and his son have mentioned me when I'm not around. Well, I don't know what they're saying. But hopefully, it's kind things. Because that should be the anthem of my life. Now watch this. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, they begin to talk about, and then a little bit more specific terms about this whole love concept. So I'm going to read it to you, and you can read it off the screen. Just read it to yourself. It reads like this. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, this is Jesus talking, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, the people that insult you, the people that make your life difficult, pray for them. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and unjustice alike. If you only, this is the kicker, if you only love those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even the corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind to only your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. 
Here we go. You ready for the awesome truth? We separate ourselves when we love somebody who doesn't deserve it. We separate ourselves when we love somebody who is mean and rude to us. Let me say it this way. We separate ourselves when we are kind to unkind people. Because even the most nasty people are nice to people they like. Did you guys get that? Nasty, mean people that don't claim to be Christians are nice to people who they like. And they're nice to people who like them. So how do we cause a difference between a Christ follower and a a non-Christ follower? It's that moment when that jerk says something rude and stupid. Am I, am I, can I talk like this? Because this is how we talk when we're not in the church, right? We call people jerks and idiots and stupid morons. Hopefully you stop there. Right? In that moment, I used to have a neighbor in Kingwood. He had a bird in his hand and he was always flipping it in my direction. Always, 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 always. He was about 99 years old. Hated me. Couldn't stand me. One time I was talking on the phone and our mailboxes were in the middle of the cul-de-sac. It was like a community box. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. It's like 40 houses all had their mailbox in the same box, right? You know what I'm talking about? So I'm, I'm standing there and I'm checking my mail and I'm on the cell phone and the guy comes walking from his house to me. This is my ring finger so nobody shoot me an email. He comes walking to me going... <laughs> Just like that. He's like 99 years old. I'm on the phone and, and I'm sitting here and I started laughing. <laughs> and I started telling the guy on the phone what this guy was doing. I was like, you're not going to believe this right now. There's a guy that's walking up to me, flipping me off. And that made him more mad. I knew it was going to make him more mad. It's in that moment. I had a guy one time trying to run me off the road. He was just a jerk. And these were the days where the disposable cameras were popular. And I went on a date with Allie or something, and I brought a disposable camera. We were dating at the time and I had it in the glove box and so he was going to swerve he was trying to swerve me off the road and so I grabbed the, the camera and I started taking pictures of him <laughs> oh I had to take them off I just figured out really really and worse yeah, I go to the restaurant and I'm laughing about what I just did and he shows up <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and so he looks at me, and I see him look at me, and I'm going to pretend like I don't see him. And he starts banging on the counter. Like that. <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling you guys this story. 
This is about how big this guy was. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. He was a big boy. And uh, the waiter came over and he's taking my order, and the guy is banging. He's getting louder and louder and louder. And uh, I looked at the waiter and I said, Whatever happens in the next few minutes, don't move. Because in my head, <laughs> so I said, whatever happens in the next few minutes, do not move. And the guy comes over and he goes, are you the blink, 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 blink guy who was taking blank, blank, blank pictures of me? Now, if there's one thing I can't handle is embarrassment. And so even if I'm about to die, I'm not going to be embarrassed while he's killing me, okay? I know that's stupid, so I lean back, I went. Do you want to die today? And I'm looking at the way, like, don't move. <laughs> walks out. To this moment right now, I know that there were angels that were standing behind me. Because he should have taken my head off and bowled it down the aisle. Just, just, just bowled it. I don't know why I told you guys that story. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because they showed me how stupid I was. And, and now, I think I was like 21 years old. Now that I've gotten older, I would like to say that I bat a thousand and I never, ever, ever, ever get sucked into those situations anymore. Um, but I am very keenly aware that it's in those situations that I show whether or not I'm a true follower of Christ. When I'm dealing with people that pull the nasty out of me, does that make sense? Like, I married a girl that pulls the best out of me. Before I met her, I had other girlfriends, and they could pull the worst out of me. Everybody's looking at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. They pull the worst out. So there's some people that pull the worst out of you, and there's some people that pull the best out of you. And, and there's some people that you'll meet, they just pull the worst out of you. And when we are tempted to stoop to their level and say, you know what, you're one of those people my preacher was talking about, you pull the worst out of you. <laughs> <laughs> Are we getting anywhere tonight? Yeah. When we stoop to their level, there's no difference between in them. There's no difference. Let me get off this. <laughs> Raise your hand if you're not married. This is just for you, okay? I put this in my notes just for you. It applies to all of us, but I was thinking about you when I put this in my notes. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, it reads like this, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Now, I'm still talking about loving one another. Um, and why, why was I thinking about single people? Because single, single people um, have gotten in, 
better since I've been married, I've noticed this, at disguising themselves. What I've noticed is, and I've said this before, so forgive the redundancy, when you meet somebody for the first time, you're not meeting them. You're meeting their representative. Right? <laughs> right? You meet the real them about 12 months later. When, when, when something bad happens, in comes the real them. It's like, hello! And sometimes it's a pleasant surprise, and sometimes it's not. I don't do marriage and family counseling. Pastor James Allen, why don't you stand up real quick? He does all the marriage and family counseling. Brilliant. Brilliant. My marriage and family counseling stinks. It stinks. That's why we send him to Pastor James. I know my skill set. I, I counseled Ray one time, and see, now he's leaving. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, we're really good friends. That's why we do that. Uh, but I remember this guy like six months. I said, you're, you're not ready yet. And he said, look, I'm older. I'm not 17. I'm not going to date this girl for 10 years. I'm, I'm older. And I said, I'm okay with the timeline being shorter. I understand when you get older, the timeline gets shorter. I understand that. I just want to see you guys fight. I want you guys to get a knockout, blowout fight because we don't fight. I was like, then you're not ready to get married. I, I want you to see the other one. Right? <laughs> right? This is how my counseling goes. <laughs> I want you to see the other. I want, I want her to see the other him. He's like, oh, that's not necessary. At some point, something not good is going to happen. You guys are going to fuss at each other. He goes, well, that's just it. We don't argue. We're in love. I was like, this session's over. <laughs> and I don't, everybody has a disagreement. And so however you disagree, if you disagree like a European, our arms go up. You disagree like a Canadian, we have no idea you're fighting. <laughs> Didn't you know? I didn't know we were fighting. I'm like, Did I win? <laughs> um, but however you do it, I mean, maybe you talk it out, maybe you fight it out, maybe you punch it out. I don't know. However you guys fight, you got to get into a fight before you get married. Tweet that and put James's name on it. <laughs> you have to. You got to see what else going there. So this is what I was saying. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you're single and you're looking at this guy and you're like, I think I want to marry you. I think I want to marry her. You have to listen to their words because they're camouflaging themselves. The only way to find out what they're really like is to either A, orchestrate a fight, which isn't always a good idea, or B, just listen really good. And if most of the things that come out of their mouth is critical, negative, insulting, even if it has nothing to do with you, it has everything to do with somebody else. If it's constantly negative, you're just listening 
loved you and they want to marry you, so the insults aren't going to come in your direction. But if it's going in this direction and in that direction and in this direction and in this direction, you just go, oh, so that's what's in there. Mmm, that's what's in there. Okay, okay. See, here's the deal. If I got this, 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 this covered up and I say, do you know what kind of liquid is in there? You go, no, but I want something to drink, so give it to me. Well, hold on a minute here. How do you know there's not acid in here? I'm thirsty. Well, can you just hold on and wait for something to happen to make it shake? Just, just wait for something to shake it. And you'll see it come out. So somebody at work will say something to this guy or this girl that you're dating, and it'll cause something to shake. And when you see that come out, you just go, ooh, that's what's in there. Are you with me? Because you can't tell. I mean, Matt Makeup does wonders nowadays. <laughs> you can't tell. Comes in and is tall, dark, and handsome, and cool, and suave. He's got a job. Thank God he's got a job. My gosh, he's got a job. You're, you're willing to overlook a lot to have a job. <laughs> he's got a job. You just got to listen. You got to listen. All right, let's go to this next topic. We got two more. How much time do I got? I'm over time already. What in the world? That clock's broke. Verse 15, do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. All right, now everybody has an Achilles heel. Okay, you have an Achilles heel. Some, one person struggles with depression, the next person doesn't. One person struggles with lust, the next person doesn't. One person has anger issues, another person has fear issues, another person has anxiety issues. Everybody has an Achilles heel. Okay, um, now here's the deal this Achilles heel. Do you fuel it, or do you live trying to kill it? Let me read something to you. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27, it says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. So any sin that you're struggling with. I don't feel like depression is a sin. I feel like that's just an, an enemy you fight. But a sin, like, a, like a anger or, or lust, um, if, if we don't fight that, the Bible says that he, the enemy gets a foothold. Gets a foothold in your life. Now, the stronger that foothold, the, the stronger the position the more damage he can do. So let me see if I can illustrate this on a very fundamental, uh, with a very fundamental uh, uh, example. Let's say that there is a husband that 
um, allows lust and pornography into his life. So he just lets it in just a little bit. And so that foothold is light, but it's not deep. But he keeps it going, and he thinks he's getting away with it. He's getting away with it because he hasn't gotten caught. Well, now the foothold, even though he hasn't gotten caught, the foothold is deeper now. Now there's a grip. Now there's a, a half Nelson around that guy. Got him like this. I had a friend of mine tell me one time in college, he goes, I can't go to sleep unless I look at porn. I can't fall asleep. So, he's got a foothold. It's not a foothold anymore. That was a bear hunt. Then he gets married. We haven't talked about it after he got married, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh. If you were single and you couldn't go to sleep, unless you looked at porn, now you're married. How's all that working out? So it's got this full Nelson grip, this foothold. The stronger the foothold, the greater the damage. Now, if this guy is hypothetically, this guy's I still haven't gotten caught. I didn't get caught when I was single because there was nobody to catch me. I haven't gotten caught since I've been married, so I'm just going to keep on going. So now the foothold and the grip gets stronger and stronger and stronger. Well, this guy, his life is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Now he's married. If he would have got caught when he was single, the consequences would have been light. But now he's married. Now the consequences involves a wife. Now he's got kids. Oh, boy. Now he's, now he's got a job. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. The stronger the foothold, the bigger the damage. I just want to say that every single foothold, whether it's jealousy, I'm thinking about somebody right now, they get so jealous, so jealous and so angry every time somebody gets a new car, a new house. She gets so angry, it just eats her up. And I just want to say, regardless of what it is, these footholds, you and I have got to remember, we can't fight it and pop ourselves with a rubber band. You can't fight that with your flesh. You have to fight that with your spirit. You have to pray it away. That's why it says, don't be a fool. You got saved with your spirit. You're going to fight the same exact way. What if I say, hey... Uh, come up here, John, and I want you to punch the devil right in the nose. You'd say, I'd love to, but I don't know where the, the moron is. I, I can't see him. Of course you can't, because you don't fight in the flesh. Let me just say this. If there's anybody here, anybody here, you're scaring yourself. You're scaring yourself because you're not as committed to God as you should be. And you're scaring yourself. The only thing you have to say is, God, I need you to help me love you. I need you to help me with this foothold. I need you to help me. I need you to help me. This is what John is saying here. He's defining what sin is. And he's telling us how to overcome. Now, why is he talking about that? He's defining sin. He's telling us how to overcome. Why? So glad you asked. Isaiah, would you come on up here? Verse 24. It says this. 
So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life He has promised us. Watch this. So often, we're living a life that is not fulfilling, that is not joyful. And we back up and we go, what is wrong? What's wrong? What John is saying here is, fight the sin out of your life by asking God to overcome it. Then your fellowship with God can exist. Your relationship with God can exist. In this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life He promises. Then, the enjoyment that we've been expecting arrives. It's this constant mindset of, is there anything in my life that you do not like? Is there anything in my life that you don't like? I need you to help me with that. Then your fellowship can exist and you can experience the life, the relationship that you have been expecting.